in whatever capacity she wants to today. God is a great God. He, he's a God that, that knows you before you were even born, before your mom and dad decided to get married or decided to just get together. He knows God had you in his mind. And I love that about God, that he knows the beginning of your life to the end and everything in between. And, um, and um, I don't know, um, Brother Simon was very kind with his words. And, um, and we are going to sing a song together. No, we're not. <laughs> um, but, but God is a great God. And, uh, and I stand here in the shoulders of spiritual giants, not because I'm a giant, but because they were great people, like Brother Glass. When I walk into this building, can I not think of his input and his prayers and Sister Jane Glass and, and, you know, and, and him bringing me here for the first time and as, a, as a young person and um, just wanting to do something for God. And, uh, and he brought me in to do some music and some singing. And, and as soon as he picked me up from the airport, he put on some country music, <laughs> Christian songs. He goes, Mars, you're here to, to help us with our music. What do you think of this song? And I went, wow, that is great, Brother Glass. And he was very, very kind to, to lay hands over me and speak into my life. And young people, when an elder lays hands on you, do not take that lightly. Saint of God, with somebody that has done the praying and the, the teaching and the walk with God, decides to come and lay hands on you, you take it. And, and you receive it with a humble spirit. Whatever they say. I said, okay, God, if I don't understand it all, I'm just, just help me just fit into somewhere. And, um, and I'm very humbled to be here this, this morning. And um, I want to share a song with you. And, um, and we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've read about that many times. Because he's the same yesterday. Whatever he did yesterday, he's going to do today. And whatever he does today, he's going to do tomorrow. And, um, and when he walks into a room full of people that are hungry and full of people that in his presence they said, yes Lord I want to be with you for eternity you cannot help it but change so when the unchanging God walks in everything changes if you're willing to release of yourself of your pride the extra burden the questions that haven't been answered, the injustice and the disappointment. When you're willing to let that go in His presence, you can be changed. So we, I pray that, you know, as we, song, uh, as we sing this song a few times, uh, the words are up there, you're able to join us. Because everything we do here is for His glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Worship God. Hallelujah, we love you. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, starts burning nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you we worship you Jesus. when you walk into the Darkness starts to trend. 
Every hopeless situation ceases to exist when you walk into the room. The dead begin to rise because there is resurrection life in all you do. And we say we love you. We'll never stop. We can't. And every hopeless situation just ceases to exist. When you walk into this room, the dead begin to rise. Because there is resurrection life in all you do. Everything you do can live God.
enough of you, God. Can't get enough. All this is for you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Everything we do is for you, Jesus. Everything. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Hallelujah. 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 If you have your word near you, we're just going to turn to Exodus 13. And if you're able to stand, would you stand just to read the word in honor of God's word? what he's going to bring forth. It's a familiar passage of scripture, verses 21, Exodus 13, 21. And he says, the Lord was going before them, and that's the people of Israel, in a, in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. That means regardless of the state of your life, if it's a good day, if it's a bad day, if it's nighttime, you're going to keep on moving. You have to travel for that. And he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now there's another passage in Hebrews 12. Expands this a little bit. Verse 26, we can start on that. Hebrews 12. 26. And talks about God's relation with Israel again. It says, and at that time his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. And the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken is a different version I'm reading that is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain verse 28 says therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe and verse 29 says for our God is a consuming fire God is a consuming fire. And today I'm going to bring a thought to you that, you know, the presence of God is a consuming fire and that it is needful, that we need to be consumed by His Spirit and His presence and not fear it. Because sometimes we, we hold back because we fear that if I let go of everything that I've known to this point, something bad is going to happen. And that's a lie of the enemy. And we're going to look into some thoughts this morning so you may be seated. God, we thank you for your word. Anoint the ears I hear it. Anoint my lips. And have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a deep spiritual hunger in all of our hearts that often cannot be satisfied unless with the presence of God Himself. So God is all powerful and God is holy and cannot and should not, we should not take His presence for granted. And once we are yielded, the presence of God can satisfy our deepest spiritual longings. And the scripture provides many examples of how the presence of God empowered his people to live for him. You know, Moses was convinced that without God's presence in his life, he was useless. You know, any new attempt he couldn't, 
He didn't want to do it. You know, he thought, there's no use for me to try anything unless God is present. He spoke face to face with the Lord. And he said plainly to the Lord, if your presence or if thy presence go not with us, carry us not up hands. Don't take us to that place. But he was saying to the Lord, you know, if you're not with us, we're not going to make it. We won't take a single step unless we are assured of your presence. And know that we've got, without God, I cannot do it. Moses knew that it was God's presence among them that set them apart from all of the other nations. His attitude was, we operate on one principle alone. The only way for us to be guided and to be governed and to do battle and to survive that in, the, in these times, it is God's presence with us. When his presence is in our midst, no one can destroy us. Without him, we are helpless. We're reduced to nothing. Let all the nations of the world trust in whatever they want to trust, in the armies that they want to trust, in the leaders that they want to trust, in their chariots, in the skilled soldiers. But we will trust in the manifest presence of God. And I love, I think that will get God's attention, don't you think? <laughs> that type of attitude and of spirit that says, I take my hands off it, Lord. You know, you need to be there because without you, I cannot make it. Without you, victory will not be victory. There'll be consequences afterwards. Because I just did a bit of my own thing in there. And I love God's response in 33, um, Exodus 33, verse 14. And God said to him, I think it's verse 15, says, um, and God replied to him, um, go with confidence. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now the Hebrew word for rest here means not just comfortable, but it means a peaceful confidence. That's the rest we look for. Rest in God, when God is in it, it doesn't mean there's going to be no conflict. It means that you're going to have peaceful confidence. That your eyes are going to be placed in the God that can save you. And what God was saying, no matter what the battles or your trials you face, you will always be able to find a quiet rest and confidence in me. His presence drives out fear and confusion. That's what his presence does. Hallelujah. The Old Testament is filled with accounts of the wonderful blessings that came to those who had God's presence with them. God promised Joshua that no enemy could stand against him when his presence was with him. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you I will not fail you or forsake you. Imagine God saying to him, don't worry, I'm going to fail you. I'm like, oh God, I know you never fail. But God is saying to give him peace and confidence. Don't worry, I'm just going to remind you. I don't fail. I don't fail and I don't leave you alone. And we had that word this morning reassuring us that God walks with us. He will not leave you alone. Amen. Be strong and of good courage. So when God's Spirit is present with us, we can be strong and we can be courageous because we trust His promise to go with us all the way. God told Gideon, the Lord is with thee in Judges 6 and 12. The Lord is with thee, the mighty men of valor. Go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel. And I love that first part, the Lord is with thee, the mighty man of valor, because the phrase thy might 
depends completely on the first clause, which is the Lord is with thee. You cannot have might and do exploits unless the first part is there. God is with me. Therefore, I can. Amen. The Lord is with thee. God is saying, Gideon, there is a might in you so powerful that can save a nation because I am with you. I'm just going to sit on that. (laughs) I feel excited that whatever God puts in front of me to do, whatever the circumstance, the challenge, the trial, even though I'm walking by night, he is the pillar of fire there. And because he is with me, I can. I can do it. I can overcome. I can pray this through. Isn't it? Nothing will overwhelm me if I'm in his presence. And he's with me. I love that about Jesus. You know, my presence in your life is the might that you need. So although Gideon saw himself a little bit like a coward, the Lord wanted to prove to him what any person can do when his presence surrounds him. Then called him a man of valor. That's the last thing. Because I'm with you. So like Moses and Joshua, Gideon and many others, we also have a powerful testimony of what God's presence has done for us. Guarding our steps, opening doors, moving the obstacles, lifting our cares and fears away. Yet, as God manifested himself to the people of Israel, we often just want the cloud, but not the fire part. Because it sounds almost metaphorical for us. Because we were not there. For them, it was, they can see the cloud and they can see the pillar of fire. It was real. It was present. But for us, it's not so far away that we just take it as a, you know, little metaphor. God is just a, is, is like a cloud. His spirit, oh, it's just like a fire because we don't see it. But you see, the presence of God is a shelter for us and it's true, brings protection, a place where we can find rest. We sing about the presence of God being a hiding place. But it's also revelatory fire by night. God will reveal, he'll expose by night. The fire of God's presence reveals the dark places in our hearts. It exposes our shortcomings, our imperfections, exposes our sin. The the psalmist begins in Psalm 90 by saying, Lord, you have been a dwelling place. We love that. Then in verse 8 says, But you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence, in the light of your countenance. So with that same spirit that could bring you shelter and protection, can also almost slice you and dice you. (laughs) It's that fire and it's consuming and we often are afraid to enter in not just here at a place of worship but in your own home in your quiet place. You almost don't do it because it's just I just want the cloud. I want the dwelling place. I don't want the fire to come and consume me and expose my attitudes, expose my disappointment, expose my anger. You know, why? And even though it may not have always to do with moral sin and big sin, like sometimes we tend to put big sin and like little kids when you teach, there's a big sin and there's a little sin. You know, all sin is the same before the Lord. But because we can say, oh, I'm not that type of a sinner. And pastor, this morning when he was teaching, he read to us Psalm 1. And as he's doing it, at the end, he goes, Master, did you change your message? No. I said, you just confirmed it. Because I never 
realize, not that I never realized, but I'm just going to use it now. I'm going to go to it. But he actually said, let me find it in the other part. He says, um, talks about the word being hidden in our hearts. But in verse 5, he talks about the, verse 1 talks about the blessed man, you know, um, that delights, verse 2, in the law of the Lord. But verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. And there, this is the part that just went, Whoa, no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So it means that if this is a congregation of the righteous, some of us can not be in the right place with the Lord. Isn't it? So when we read this, it's not just all the people that don't know God. He's talking about our assembly, our gathering. This convicts me. Not to go around and say, oh, yeah, that's a sinner. I knew that. Oh, yeah, that's sister so-and-so, third row on the left. I know what she's up to. You know? It's about me. I'm part of this congregation. I'm part of the grace of the righteous. God, I, I just need to keep myself right. Amen. So, so when I when I read that, I went, "Whoa, I like that." I'm just gonna. That has confirmed, God, what you have for us. That despite where where we are, you know, we are part. We all can fail a little bit. Amen. The Amplified Version says that. In uh, Psalms 90, our iniquities, our secret heart, and its sins, which we would so like to conceal, even even from ourselves. That's a powerful thing. Sometimes we could deceive our own selves that we're okay, we're okay, I'm okay, I've dealt with it. You know, I have victory. And it's great. I'm a positive person. I try to be, you know. But he's... this translation says, even we can conceal it, you know, even from ourselves. But you have set it in the light, in the revealing light of your countenance, of your face, of your presence. Hallelujah. The revealing fire. Fire is a powerful tool that brings life. Or it is a destructive weapon that can devour everything in its path. And often... Just both. So there is nothing mysterious about the Hebrew and the Greek words translated consuming fire. They mean exactly that. A fire that utterly consumes. Now the concept of God as a consuming fire includes both the idea of God's jealous, holy nature and his judgment. And used in more than one way in the Bible, the overall idea is one of power. The judgment of God over sin. That's the reason. Because of sin. And his judgment over us is also because of sin. And this is because he cannot be close to us. He has a holy nature. He's a holy God. And sin automatically separates us from him. And his desire is to be with us. That's why he will convict. And that's why sometimes your stomach goes like, in his presence. And your heart beats super fast because, oh my goodness, I can think of something I did. And all we have to do when we, after we're born again is just ask for forgiveness and repent and make things right. And there he is, right there. And it's not because he doesn't love you, he doesn't get any closer, because there is something that stops him. Something stops him. So I'm, I am a school teacher. For those that don't know, I've been teaching for, I got a certificate from a department of education over 20 years of teaching. Nice paper. It's up somewhere. And, um, and I teach kindergarten, year one, year two. Uh, currently I'm training teachers on how to um, work uh, with children that have difficulties. I've done that all my life as a career. And, um, and last year, they gave me a little kindergarten class uh, once a week. 
And, um, and I was doing library, which is great. Never done that. So they were actually studying about natural disasters. And, um, and Marcella being Marcella, <laughs> I got curious. You know, uh, you know we did, um, uh, we always teach um, first what they know. We want to know where they're up to. And we talked about, you know, what does, what does a, a bushfire sound like and look like and what would it feel like? And these are four and a half year olds. And I'm taking everything they're saying and writing and drawing pictures, stick figure pictures. Cause I'm not very good at drawing, even though they tell me it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that they think my drawing is beautiful, but it's not. Um, so uh, all of a sudden, you know, they just, um, they, they were saying their usual things, you know. Um, you know, it's hot. I'm putting hot. I'm doing flames. All these different things. <clears throat> and then um, I got curious myself. Not because of my drawings, but because of what they were giving me. And I went home and I did a bit of reading about bushfires. And I came across the research on fire from one of the professors um, in the States. He was, he's an environmentalist. And this is what he said about fire. Wildfires, when allowed to burn in areas where they do not impact human development, of course, are regen regenerative for the forest. They revitalize the watershed, they renew the soil, and they reset the clock for the ecosystem. So as the researcher of wildfire, this person says, and streams, let me recount the many ways that natural wildfire is beneficial. How is fire revitalizing the watershed, he said? It actually recycles all the nutrients, increases the food source for fish, replenishes the streamside vegetation, disperses of fire adaptive plants. I mean, they just, you know, the, the seeds can travel. Not to mention the renewal of the soil chemistry, which is vital for the forest and the watershed. It resettles the clock. I love that. And the Holy Ghost started to move. <laughs> and so I'm just reading this guy's research. Of course, you always go back to Scripture. You know, Let me check it out in the Scriptures. You know, and, uh, and we often sing the song, Is the Holy Ghost on fire that's keeping me alive? You know, and, um, and we know that the Holy Ghost is, you know, is connected to the fire when they receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Acts that there was cloven tongues of fire. And um, we quickly go into the power. Woo, power, Holy Ghost, fire, power. <laughs> and something in me went, hold on. But after I read this, it, has, it destroys first. It has to consume first. You know, isn't that the reason why not, not just power, the Holy Ghost came, but before he could embody somebody, fill them up, there's going to be some some, you know, consuming fire. Some, I'm going to, you know, dead. I'm going to, some sin that has to be dealt with. Because God will not fill up any, any vessel that is unclean. So to me, when, when I read that and, you know, I said, okay, God, so when I sing about the Holy Ghost on fire, I'm actually asking you that your presence will come upon me I'm celebrating that you actually are going to slice me and dice me. <laughs> that I need that in order for you to give me that power. I want the power, but I want, I want the dying. And I want, the, and, you know, I want to be energized. I want my, my, what is it called, reset the clock so I can start again. I want that, but I don't want to die. I don't want you to consume me. I don't want to give up what I know. I don't want to let go. I'd just rather you hide in place, but not you're consuming fire. So I went back, and I'm trying to share this with four, four and a half, five-year-olds. Do you know that when a fire comes and the forest gets, it's great for it? And I'm trying not to use the word regenerative or revitalizing because they were going, what's going on? 
I was so excited. And they said, so gorgeous. They go, yes, Miss Ferrari. <laughs> I said, okay, don't worry. Go under a picture of a fire. <laughs> go do a bushfire. Go. There's colors. Go for it. Make it as wild as you can. And there were orange and different colors. And here I was in a class with four and a half year olds saying, God, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me that I don't want to just have feel the rain of your presence. But I need, in order for me to come alive again, I need to be consumed. I need you to come upon me and burn and convict me and search me. So I'm going to identify the things that are ugly in me, the attitudes, the secret sins. And I'm going to confess it, release it. Forgive a situation. Move on. But I allowed your presence to consume that. Because you know what? You cannot do it. You're not going to, you're not going to, you know, um, do enough deeds to feel good about what happened and what didn't happen. I'm speaking to somebody I know. <laughs> because I've been there when I put 120% effort, when I have repented over the same thing a thousand times. And it wasn't that that stopped God's presence. It was me feeling ashamed and guilty. And, oh, God, I still, you know, how could you? How could you be close? How, how could you want me? You know, and it wasn't the thing that I thought. It was just something in your heart, Master, that there is, there's a little bit of, disappointment there and because you're disappointed you're just angry with me and because you're just angry with me I'm, I can't hold you I cannot nurture you into health because there's sin you see and we could say oh you know tell ourselves well, everybody gets angry a little. You know, oh, you know, I saw, even between ourselves, oh, she's having a bad day. I guess I'm having a bad day. And your God is saying, just, just, just give that to me. <laughs> just give it to me. Because I can make it better. I'm going to consume you with my spirit. I want to burn down so you can start again. You see, the ignition point of a fire is where the flames are produced. The flame is the visible portion of the fire, but the chemical reaction begins before the flame can be seen. Before anybody can tell, before even you could tell that you're over it. You're in the ignition point for for God's fire to consume the sin in our life, the anger is us repenting and letting go. Thinking that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if he looked after me yesterday, he's going to look after me today. He's going to look after me tomorrow. Forest fires are a natural and necessary part. Even healthy forests contain dead trees. And decaying plants matter. That when a fire turns them to ashes, the nutrients return to the soil instead of remaining captive in the old vegetation. It is what keeps the forest alive. A righteous man is like a tree planted. But you need to go through the fire to reset the clock so you can begin again. Adam and Eve lost the sense of his presence through their sin and thereafter the presence of God was not known as it was in the garden walking beside him. It is only through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that a way into his presence was made possible and it is made possible today. 
what sin does to every individual, it hardens our heart. Makes it hard. You know, that's what happens. Concrete. Marcella Research Building Fire, remember? Concrete. One of the most common building materials, if we have a builder in the house that could help me understand it better, <laughs> is also an excellent fire-resistant material. It is non-combustible and has low thermal conductivity, meaning that it takes a long time for fire to affect its structure. And it protects from the spread of fire. Ezekiel had it right. He said, I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The apostle Paul started to describe himself as the least of the apostles. Then he called himself the less than the least of all God's people. And then he said, the worst of sinners. Now, is it because he got worse? No. It was because the more that he was in his presence, the more that he felt the awesome power of God, he became more and more aware of the, of the light shining in his heart. And the longer we spend in God's presence, the more in the light, that the light shines and highlights who we truly are. So we stand at a crossroads. Do we stay in his presence and renounce the sin and let him change us? Or we close our hearts and remain unchanged? Hallelujah. He is so interested in us. Despite of how big the universe is, and I learned a lot about space. Last couple of days, sitting with Caleb and his space book. As much as all this is intricate creation, his first and most important interest is you and I. God said to Jeremiah, Before, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And that's a dark place. And before you were born, I consecrate you. I set you apart for me. And then he called him, I have appointed you a prophet to all the nations. David in Psalm 139 declares in verse 16 that God knew him in his mother's room as well. Then God knows what we think, that we think we're small things. God, search my heart. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? So do you realize that if you are alive, it's because he has numbered your days? And your day has not yet come. So while your name has not been called, there is time. There is hope. God is all-powerful. He can change us. So as, as I come to, to wrap this up, and, and I really feel strong that God is calling several of us to, to not be afraid of his presence. Not the cloud. We love the cloud and the rain because it doesn't really kill us much. <laughs> But fire really takes over and, f and we can't control that. The fire will just take you to the place that God wants you to be. So I want you to consider this. If Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever, then what does it mean about where he stands on issues of morality and self the self-centered world? If he's the same, where is his stand when it comes to morality? Has it changed because the world changes? 
is it going to change? What does it tell you about his will concerning healing the body, the mind, and the spirit of a repentant man? If he did it then, can he do it now? Can he pick you up tomorrow when you mess up? Since Jesus is exactly the same today as he will always be, how can you better predict his future actions and responses to you? By through his word. Just like natural fires are necessary to a forest, God's consuming fire is needful every day to make us again, to give us life again, to renew the soil of our heart and to reset our spiritual clock. You can always begin again once his fire has consumed you. Many forests cannot sustain themselves without natural wildfire, pine forests, eucalyptus forests, and many others. The forests require canopy fires to regenerate because the trees in the forest are adapted to only produce seeds following a major fire. You see, fire contributes to seeds popping open. That's how the forest is going to grow. That's how you are going to grow. There are promises, there are seeds that God has spoken to you, that you still hold them close, and because they haven't opened yet, there's that hardness of heart. And because you probably tried to open it yourself, you know, is just by trying to do your bit. <laughs> it's okay, God, I'll help you. Just, I, I know where the seed is. I'm looking after it. I'll just, you know, get a knife. Laser now. <laughs> but see, it wasn't for you to open it. It's a consuming fire. And if he hasn't opened, it's because you're not ready. You may not be ready. It will open when you allow God's consuming fire to expose everything in you. Every secret. Every sin that you're not even aware And you allow that not just on a Sunday, even though this is going to be a great opportunity. You allow it when you say, God, I'm going to shut the door, I'm going to turn the iPad off, phone down. Honey, I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord. Then we tag, then it's your turn, and I'll look after the kids. In the morning, when it's quiet, You make that place where you seek his face. You make it. You look for it. You plan it. Because you need his fire to consume you before the power of the fire is released in you. I've heard one of my favorite preachers and teachers says if she was teaching on, on prayer no long ago and she said this and she said if you can't tell me where you pray if there's not a physical place that you can say that's my prayer closet then your prayer is not consistent and I was challenged <laughs> It wasn't like, hey, yeah, man, I know, yes, sister, I got you. I was like, oh, Lord. The last couple of weeks, you know, it's like being coffee, road, traffic, oh, music, Christian, Lord, I just thank you. I love you. I just, in the car, 
even though I'm not saying, okay, that that wouldn't be a good place to do it. It's a great place. But people catch you off. And I'll, if you're like me, you know, you lose your victory every two, three minutes. Say thank you. I'll let you go. I'll let you go in. That's fine. I'm just super, I'm really human. You know? <laughs> Come in. Yeah, damn. Oh, thank you, Lord, for everything. Beep, beep. Oh, it's not going to be consistent. You know, and after said, I could have said to her, yes, you might come. I was like, oh, Lord, I think I need to make that. Forgive me for the two weeks. I'm going to go back, reset the clock a bit, you know, earlier. Get out of my bed. If you know that in your bed is not going to work, just get dressed. <laughs> you have to. You know yourself. You know? God wants to meet you. God wants to be with you. But all those excuses put him away because, not because he doesn't want to. And you know, it just blows me away that he still turns up. <laughs> that he still fights, he still comes, and he still is so good to me. I just love him so much. And I know that he loves you. And he wants to make it better for you. So don't be afraid of the fire. Let's all stand. Don't be afraid of God being a consuming fire this morning. Let it go. Come before his presence. Come. Tell him. Tell him what's bothering you. Tell him that you can't seem to get victory. Tell him that the disappointing is holding you back. That fear of being hurt, of fear of not achieving. And let go of that. Because that is connected with an emotion often that is negative and it's sin. Hallelujah. Why don't we just, if you, if you feel like coming to the front and praying, please do so. The rest of us, why don't we lift our hands and, and say, God, we thank you right now. We thank you.